1: What's up, everybody? Welcome in to the Philly Sports Power Hour with Bill Calarulo. Good to see my Power Hour crew today, but it is not a good morning in Philadelphia after what we just watched on national television last night on Sunday Night Football. So buckle up, because we're going after it today. Because this isn't just one game. This isn't just two games. This is now six games in a row where we've seen this defense get absolutely dominated at historic levels. This is four games in a row where we've seen that offense come out in the first half and look absolutely anemic. This is a Philadelphia Eagles team that has been sloppy all season long. Negative four in the turnover differential department on the season. And there's a lot of blame to go around. So buckle up because we're going today. We're going after it today because I am always positive about this team. Sometimes I'm too positive about this team. But in my opinion, the time for positivity and the time for hope is over. This team is not good enough to go back to another Super Bowl. And that's just the reality. And I don't care about the standings. And I don't care that they still control their own destiny to maybe getting the NFC East championship. This team, as it is constructed right now, is nowhere near good enough to go back to a Super Bowl. And I don't want to hear it's because they were tired. This was a tough gauntlet that they had to go through. No. There is a lot of blame to go around on this football team. And we're going to get into all of it. Because it's not just the coaching. And it's not just the offense or the defense. It's not just players not making plays. It is all of it. And I'm going to get into it later on in the show. For me, what you are seeing on the defensive side of the football, the blame doesn't just go to Sean Desai, doesn't just go to execution. I give a majority of the blame of the ridiculous defense that they're putting out on that field to Howie Roseman and the way that this roster was constructed. We want to give Howie Roseman all the credit in the world when this team does well. In Howie, we trust. I say it a lot. Big fan of Howie Roseman. But if he wants to take the credit, and we want to praise Howie Roseman when things are good, then he also needs to take the heat when you look at that defense and the personnel on the defensive side of the football and how bad it actually is. And this is not an overreaction, guys. This is not something that we have only seen against two tough teams. This isn't just because they played the San Francisco 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys. This isn't just because it's been a tough stretch of games playing against teams at the end of this gauntlet who had longer rest than us. You can go back to the last six games, and what this defense has displayed is historically bad. Bad. I gave you guys the stat before this game. They were one of only five teams in history who had given up the stat lines they were given up over that previous five-game span. And now you look, you add in what the Cowboys did. This is not a good defense. And it's not going to be a good defense. I don't care what defensive coordinator you put with this personnel. The defensive personnel that they are putting on the field is not good enough. And that falls squarely on the shoulders of Howie Roseman. And I'm not absolving the offense. You look at what this offense has done. Four straight weeks now. They can't score more than seven points in the first half. Four straight weeks, we have an offensive head coach in Nick Sirianni. Brian Johnson was here last year. He's a quarterback's coach last year. You should not see this type of drop-off with that offense because even though I'm blaming personnel on the defensive side of the ball, you look at the personnel on the offensive side of the football and there is zero excuse. Zero excuse for coming out four weeks in a row and not being able to put up more than seven points in the first half. And last night was even worse. You don't even score a touchdown on offense. The game planning, the preparation during the week that this offensive coaching staff is putting in isn't good. You look at that offense, and I know we could look at the stats, and you could look at the final numbers of how this Philadelphia Eagles offense ranks, and you would say, oh, wow, they got a pretty good offense. It doesn't pass the eye test. You watch that offense. They look like they have no rhythm. It looks like the play calling is disjointed. The play designs, the route concepts, everything just looks awful. You looked at some of the play calls last night, some of the route designs last night, and you're thinking to yourself, what the hell is this offensive coaching staff doing? And I know. It's easy to say run the football, but it's also not rocket science to sit here and say that this team needs to establish the run a little bit earlier in football games, and they did it again yesterday. Up until that final drive, in the first half, where they got the ball back with under a minute left, DeAndre Swift had three carries. How many times are we going to see that? I talked about it on this show all week last week about DeAndre Swift and how many times they've ignored him for halves at a time, especially in the first half, and they pretty much did it again. Your defense is not good enough to keep them on the field as much as this Philadelphia Eagles coaching staff keeps them on the field. And it's not just on the offense. Yes, the defense stinks, and we'll talk about them on third down in a second. But you can do your defense some favors by trying to win the time of possession battle. Your defense is nowhere near good enough that you can afford to keep them on the field as long as you're keeping them on the field. Run the football, dominate the line of scrimmage, win the time of possession battle, keep the Cowboys offense on the sideline. This Cowboys offense, as much as we hate the Dallas Cowboys, I gave you all the stats last week on this show. The numbers the Cowboys offense was putting up coming into this game were better than any offensive numbers they put up since 1966 at home. They were doing things that only two other teams in NFL history had ever done, and both of them were quarterbacked by Tom Brady. This was a really good Dallas Cowboys offense coming into this game, especially at AT AT&T Stadium. And you come out with that offensive game plan. Your defense isn't good enough There's no excuse on the offensive side of the ball. You have all of the personnel. You have all of the talent in the world. And we knew going into this season, with the way this roster was constructed, that offense was going to have to win us football games. But you could do your defense some favors by establishing a running game and keeping the damn offense on the other side on the sideline. They refuse to do it refuse and i want to get into more about who is to blame and go over some of these things because there is a severe lack of talent on the defensive side of the football and i'm sorry guys usually i get a little roll call from my power hour crew but i'm not happy today not happy and we said it last week there was a lot of fans oh it was only one game a lot of people now. Oh, it's only two games. I still have hope. I still love my Eagles. They're still going to win the NFC East. I don't give a crap about the NFC East right now. We didn't come into this season with aspirations of just winning the NFC East and losing in the playoffs. The bar was set last year with this football team. Anything less than going back to the Super Bowl this season is a failure. And the way this team is built, They will never be able to get back to a Super Bowl playing the way they are playing when they have to go up against teams like the 49ers and the Cowboys in the playoffs. And it's not just two games. I gave you the numbers. This has been now all season long with this defense in the bottom of almost every single defensive category in the NFL. This defense stinks. And we saw them winning football games. And we debated for a long time, how good are they? How good is this Philadelphia Eagles team? Because they keep winning games. And I was tricked. A lot of us were tricked. We talked about this on the post-game show for Jacob Sports last night. We overvalued this team's resiliency. Oh, they find ways to win. I was guilty of it too. Saying, this is a team that just finds ways to win. We got to give them credit, man. They find ways to win. But there were cracks in the armor all season. You saw what teams have been able to do against this defense. Your eyes were telling you that even though the offense was putting up good statistics, Something was off with this offense all year. Something was off with Jalen Hurts all season. And the turnovers, the amount of times that Jalen Hurts has turned the ball over this year, unacceptable. And you had your three stars last night. Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, all fumble in that game. In what a lot of people were billing as the biggest game of the season. This is not an overreaction to one game. This isn't an overreaction to two games. This has been a bad defense all season. Look at what some of these other guys were able to do. Let's go all the way back to the New England game. Mac Jones put up over 300 yards on this defense. Sam Howe dominated this defense. Look at the last six games, this defense. Let's go all the way back to the Washington game. Because the only good game they've played defensively, when you look back at the last seven weeks, was the Miami Dolphins game in the second half. And it's starting to look like that was just an outlier. Because then they had Washington. 472 yards they gave up. Dallas in week nine, 406. Kansas City. 336 and kansas city not looking like a good team are they not looking like the kansas city is of old we were all excited about that big win at arrowhead you've now seen the kansas city chiefs lose at arrowhead to the buffalo bills lose the week before to the green bay packers not looking as impressive of a win anymore That Chiefs offense isn't what it used to be. And I know I got angry when people said Eagles were getting lucky. But now with hindsight being twenty twenty, there was a lot of luck in there. A lot of luck in there. Because even though they held Kansas City to 336 yards, those Kansas City receivers left a lot of meat on the bone in that game. Buffalo, 500 yards of offense against this Eagles defense. San Francisco, 456, and that could have been even worse. Dallas last night, 394, could have been even worse. 10 straight possessions where this defense gave up points. How is this a defense that's supposed to get this team back to a Super Bowl? <laughs> I don't care about the standings, man. I don't care that they could still win this NFC East. And I asked the question two weeks ago on this show, before the San Francisco 49ers game, looking at this defense, I asked the question, is this a championship defense? And I was praying and hopeful, and the fan in me was saying, we're going to learn a lot about this team on Sunday night against Dallas. We're going to see how they ba- bounce back, how they respond to adversity. We're going to see Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts do what they do, which is bounce back after a loss. Well, we learned a lot about this team last night. And I hate to say it because I bleed green just like the rest of you do. And I'm always positive with this team. I have. No hope that this team's going back to a Super Bowl. They'll get into the playoffs. They may even win a divisional matchup. But they're not getting past that NFC Championship game. No chance in hell, not with this defense. And they could lose to anybody on their schedule. I don't want to even look at the two Giants games and the Arizona Cardinals game and say, oh, those are three wins. This defense has shown they can't stop anybody. Knowing what we know now, looking back at the New England Patriots game, are you kidding me with how bad the Patriots offense has been? You let Mac Jones throw for over 300 yards? Looking back, knowing what we know now, this defense has sucked all season long, and they now sit in the bottom of almost every single damn category. So, I'm sick of hearing they could still win the NFC East. If you guys follow me on Instagram, at Legal Hands to the Face, I have people commenting. Still believing in my Eagles. They could still win the division. How can you sit here and say you still believe in this team after the performance in six straight games from that defense? When a team shows you who they are, Game after game after game, even though we bleed green, we have to accept what this team is, and they are simply not good enough on the defensive side of the football to do anything this season. And I'm going to talk about this personnel and who to blame, and hate to break it to you guys, doesn't look much better for next season either with this defense because they severely lack young talent on the defensive side of the ball. Defensive tackles are good. A lot of young talent at D-tackle. Look around the rest of that defense. And they're struggling. I'm sorry, guys. I don't want to just keep piling on the negativity. I wish I could say things on this Monday morning to make us all feel better. But I'm not here to lie to you. I'm here to tell you what I see. And you guys know Every week, I talk about three keys to every game. You look at these three areas, and it will usually dictate who wins the football game. Turnovers, third down, and red zone. And look at last night. Philadelphia Eagles lose the turnover battle 3-1. to one. Now sit at a negative four turnover differential on the season. Negative four. You know what Dallas is in the turnover department? Plus 10. Look, we could talk about point differential and all that good stuff. Point differential sometimes can be misleading because you blow out some teams. But you look at turnover differential and you have the Philadelphia Eagles sitting at negative four and the Dallas Cowboys at a plus 10. They've been bad all season long. Turning the ball over way too much. They did get a takeaway last night, thanks to Fletcher Cox, who I think is still playing hard, still playing well. But again, a lack of young talent on that side of the ball. But you look at those three areas turnovers, third down, red zone, lost a turnover battle. And then you look at third down. Is there anybody here in the chat? That when the opposing team comes out in third and long, that you're not sitting on the edge of your seat thinking, oh, man, don't let them convert again. Don't let them convert again. And every damn time, this defense lets third and long get converted. They were already the worst defense in the NFL on third down. Coming into that game, the defense was letting teams convert on third down 47%. That was the worst in the NFL. I would have killed for 47% last night. They let the Dallas Cowboys convert 56% of the time, and it was worse than that because you look at the first half when it mattered. Dallas Cowboys in the first half, six of eight on third down for 75%. Six of eight for 75% on third down in the first half and we're worried about standings, we're worried about whether this team can still backdoor their way into an NFC East championship. If you can't get off the field on third down, you are not going to win football games when they matter. And this team has proven all season long, they can't get off the field. The worst third down defense in the NFL. And I'm not saying that, subjectively, say, hey, my eyes are telling me they're the worst. No, 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 objectively, looking at the stats, they are the worst third-down defense in the NFL, and you saw it again last night. They cannot get off the field on third down. And then red zone. Surprise anyone that this defense is also in the bottom of the NFL in the red zone? And we talked about this Philadelphia Eagles offense has gotten so much better in the red zone. Well, last night, 0%. They only got down there once. Had to settle for a field goal. But when they did get down there, couldn't convert. You saw it in the 49ers game. First two drives, get into the red zone, couldn't convert. And then on defense, forget it. They let the Cowboys go 3-for-3 in the red zone, a perfect 100%. And now they sit close to the bottom of the NFL. Let's see where they were. They were 29th in the league coming into that game. We'll see where they sit now, this defense, in the red zone. They're 30th in the league, thankfully, because the Carolina Panthers are one of the worst teams in the NFL, are at 31, and the Chicago Bears are at 32. So congratulations, Philly. Does that sound like a championship defense? Worst defense in the league on third down? Third worst defense in the league in the red zone? Negative four turnover differential? If you guys follow me, you know those are my three keys to every game. And this team does all three on defense pretty much worse than anybody in the entire NFL. And the one thing we've been able to hang our hat on on that defensive side of the football has been, well, at least they can stop the run. When teams were putting up a ton of passing yards against them, we said, at least they can stop the run. Not anymore, they can't. You look at the first nine games, that Philadelphia Eagles defense held teams to less than 65 yards per game rushing. Really good stuff. Excellent. It's the reason they still sit in the top ten in the NFL. Because you look at the last four games, teams are averaging 156 yards on the ground. That's more than double the average they were giving up in the first nine weeks. And last night, they let the Cowboys go for 96 yards rushing in the first half. And you saw what a balanced attack looked like. You got to give Mike McCarthy credit. I've been on this show before, and I said Mike McCarthy's not a great coach. Mike McCarthy's game plan last night was better. Mike McCarthy's play calling last night was better. They were balanced in the first half. Nobody went off on that Cowboys team. They didn't need CeeDee Lamb to have 11 catches for 191 again. They spread the ball around. They mixed in the run. Extremely balanced in the first half. Tony Pollard had a nice first half. 96 yards on the ground. This defense is not good enough, guys. And I'm not absolving the offense. There is way too much talent on that offensive side of the football. And you look at the numbers from last season, and this offense was unbelievable, especially early in games. They had historically good offense in the second quarter last year. You remember all that chatter last year about how good they were in the second quarter. And Shane Steichen was a great play caller. Well, who did they lose on the offensive side of the ball? We're going to get into the defensive personnel later in the show. But what did they lose on offense that could justify how disjointed they look from a personnel perspective? You still have Jalen Hurts at quarterback. You still have A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. You replaced Miles Sanders with DeAndre Swift. You have everybody on your offensive line, with the exception of Isaac Sayamala, who was good, but Cam Jurgens was an acceptable replacement, in my opinion. There is no excuse for this offense taking a massive step backwards. And this is where stats can be misleading. You guys know I love my stats. I love analyzing the statistics. But the stats, when you look at this offense, are misleading because it doesn't pass the eye test. That offense does not look like it has any rhythm, any plan at all. The route designs, the play calling, the game planning, it's so disjointed. That's why you've seen now what happens when they come out against three good teams not being able to put up points in that first half? That's game planning. That's all week. Nick Sirianni and Brian Johnson putting these game plans in. And I just said it's been three games. It's been four freaking games. Seven points against the Chiefs. Seven points against the Bills, six points against the 49ers, six points against the Cowboys in the first half. With this personnel, with the skill you have on the offensive side of the football, that's what you're coming out with after game planning all freaking week? Listen, when we get back, I want to talk about that defense more. I want to take a look at why I think they're in the predicament they are in on defense, and unfortunately, why I don't think it's going to get fixed this season. So, guys, I apologize for the negativity today, but it is impossible to be positive on this Monday morning after what we saw yesterday. But go ahead, hit that like button. I see you all in the chat. I appreciate all of you. So, hit that like button, and we'll be right back.
0: Go to get your game on, go for the beers.
1: do
0: you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app.
1: And the big story on Action News. Search
0: 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. B A G L E S Eagles.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back into the Philly Sports Power Hour. On this tough Monday morning for us Philadelphia Eagles fans. And I said that I was sorry for not being positive, but I'm going to give you a little positivity, but it has nothing to do with the Eagles. If you guys are hockey fans, turn your attention to those Flyers now, man. They won again, won their fifth straight. They are now undefeated in the month of December, top two in the Metropolitan Division. But that does little for us today I know I know it does little for us but hey if you're Flyers fans it's time to turn back to the team I know they've sucked for a long time but they're playing a really good brand of hockey I said it before but we're gonna jump back to this Philadelphia Eagles team man because I'm not done I am not done and I see a lot of people in the chat and let me give you some some love here see love playing like this we're not gonna beat the Giants Playing like this, there is no sure thing going forward. And we'll turn our attention later in the week to the Seattle game. That's not going to be an easy game on the road against the Seahawks. And you play like this, you're capable of losing any game. So that's why I don't care right now about the seeding. I don't care about the NFC East right now. That wasn't our goal. And if you guys tuned in for the Jacob Sports postgame show last night where Mike Missanelli was saying, hey, well, look, this team, they could still win out, get a home playoff game, have an easy road to the NFC championship. Well, hey, if that was your expectations with this team to win a playoff game and go home again without a Lombardi trophy, then congratulations, because that's what you're going to get this year. But for me, and for what I think most Eagles fans' expectations were this season, was that this was a football team that was going to go back to another Super Bowl. Not the way this team's constructed. And I don't want to hear I'm overreacting, because it's just not one game, guys. If you would have told me in the offseason, that the best coordinator that this team was going to have was Michael Clay on special teams, I would have thought you were crazy. Michael Clay, the special teams coordinator, is coaching circles around Brian Johnson and Sean Desai. That in of itself should tell you everything you need to know about the state of affairs with this Philadelphia Eagles team. The best and most exciting play last night in that Dallas game was a fake punt. Michaels Clay's unit has been the one shining star on this Eagles team. And I see people in the chat talking about fire Brian Johnson, and we'll talk about the offense again, but I want to take a look at this defense because I'm not happy with the job Sean Desai is doing. I agree, but if I'm putting the blame and I had to pick who to blame the most for what's going on with that defense, I am blaming Howie Roseman. Sean Desai and this coaching staff haven't been great, but you can only do so much with a defense that doesn't have the personnel. This Philadelphia Eagles team decided, and Howie Roseman is the leader, they decided to put their money in two aging corners. Did I expect James Bradbury and Darius Slay to take a step back this season? I didn't. But that's not my job to know whether or not these guys are going to take a step back. That's on Howie Roseman. Both of these corners are over the age of 30. And it would have been a little bit different if you had younger defensive players that could maybe step in. If Slay or Bradbury started to struggle a little bit this season. And I'm going to go over some of the young players on this defense and how many times Howie Roseman has swung and missed in the draft when it comes to defensive players, because there is a severe lack of young talent on the defensive side of the football. So Howie makes the decision. We're going to bring back both aging corners. Okay. Howie Roseman makes the decision. We're going to let, Marcus Epps, and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson walk at that safety position. How'd that turn out? Trying to replace those guys with Terrell Edmonds, Justin Evans, Greedy Williams. I know he was a corner, but there was some talk in the offseason, maybe they would convert him to safety. How are those three guys doing right now? Justin Evans, on IR for the rest of the season. We knew he had an injury history coming in. So you can't say, oh, well, he couldn't have expected injuries. Justin Evans has battled injuries since his rookie season. Terrell Edmonds, they traded him to Tennessee. And when he was here, was not impressing me at all on the back end. We talked about it a few weeks ago before they traded him. So these are the guys that you thought We're going to be able to replace Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and Marcus Epps. And when Howie Roseman realized, I made a mistake, he had a scramble. They had to make a trade for somebody. And Kevin Byard is not the same guy he was when he was an all-pro. He's just not. Nothing against Kevin Byard. Guys had a great career. He still is an average player, above average player. But he is not good enough on that back end. So now you put your money into aging veteran corners. You decided to try to piecemeal the safety position by letting both of your starters walk and signing guys to one-year deals in Terrell Edmonds and Justin Evans. Now you bring in Kevin Byard. And then Look what they did at the linebacker position. Look at this damn linebacker position. And the reason I get so damn angry about the linebacker position is because this is just not an overreaction now where we could say, oh, hindsight is 2020. I was slamming on the table all summer long about the linebacker position. A lot of people were. How you could go into a season with a team that has Super Bowl aspirations And you bring in a linebacker crew of N'Kobe Dean, who had played 34 career snaps on defense before this season. And I was posting videos on my Instagram all summer that I was worried about N'Kobe Dean. And people were saying to me, oh, he's going to be a stud. He's going to be a stud. And I was hopeful he was going to be a stud, too. But there were no guarantees that a guy that you only saw play 30 damn snaps in the NFL was going to be able to make that leap. And he couldn't stay healthy. Now two stints on IR. You sign Nicholas Morrow away from the Chicago Bears, who let Morrow walk, and they signed T.J. Edwards away from you. And I said it all offseason, man. I would have done anything I had to do to bring back T.J. Edwards. They undervalued him so much last season. Then you had to go out when Howie Roseman realized that they were in trouble at linebacker. And they have to go sign two guys off the street in Zach Cunningham and Miles Jack. Think about how desperate the Philadelphia Eagles were that they brought in a linebacker, Miles Jack, in training camp, who retired a few days after you signed him, who wants to go to trade school now. Howie Roseman neglected the linebacker position, neglected the safety position, overpaid aging corners, and now you are seeing the product on the field has taken a massive step backwards. And I know it's easy to try to blame Sean Desai and the defensive coordinator and saying he needs to make adjustments. He needs to blitz more. He needs to come up with game plans to stop these offenses. You can only do so much with the personnel you have. You can put lipstick on a pig, but it's still a damn pig. And this Philadelphia Eagles defense lacks talent. And you also look at an area that we thought was going to be a strength on this defense are edge rushers. That is not a strength on this defense. Hassan Reddick is a beast. He is very good. He is very talented. Outside of Hassan Reddick, you have Josh Sweat, who's also very good, but then you have no one at defensive end. BG is only playing about 25 percent of the snaps. What made this team so good last year along that defensive line on the edge is they were able to rotate through guys that could contribute. Redick and Sweat are playing over 75 percent of the snaps. BG's only playing about 25 percent. Derek Barnett's no longer here. Nolan Smith. I'm not going to call the guy a bust. It's only one season. But is not playing to the capability that you wanted a first-round pick to play to. When I look at that defense, the only area that they have good, young talent is the defensive tackle position. Outside of that, there is a severe lack of young talent. And I see people talking about Sidney Brown. I like Sidney Brown. I do have hopes that Sidney Brown can grow into a good player. Very aggressive. Not afraid to come up and hit you. But you also knew that Sidney Brown was going to be raw this season. That it was going to take some time for him to get acclimated to the NFL. And I see people saying in the chat about Nolan Smith, he's barely playing. Let me ask you a question, Eagles fan. Why do you think he's barely playing? Because when he's on the field, he just hasn't been good enough. And against Dallas, he played the most snaps he's played all season. He played 26% of the snaps. He is not impressing me, man. I still have high hopes for him. I loved the draft pick at the time. But he is not contributing to this team the way you would want a first round draft pick to contribute. And I want to go back to Howie Roseman for a second, because as we are talking about the draft, I went back and looked, and Howie Roseman has really struggled at drafting good defensive talent outside of the D-tackle position. You look at all of his draft picks, and I'm going to read them to you. Outside of D-tackle, I don't think he has made a good defensive draft pick in five years. That's why this defense is in the predicament it is in. They cannot draft young talent, foster that talent, and help them grow into stars on this team. And guys that were homegrown, undrafted rookies like TJ Edwards and Marcus Epps, you let walk out the damn door, man. You're not good enough at developing young defensive talent that you can let guys like that walk out the door. And listen to some of these draft picks. Now, this year, I didn't expect a lot of these guys to contribute that just got drafted. Obviously, Jalen Carter, great draft pick. What he's doing is amazing. But listen to some of these other draft picks as we go down the years. And again, this year, I'm I'm not ready to rule these guys out. But you look at Nolan Smith, they took at 30. Not really contributing. Sidney Brown they took in the third round. Up and down as expected. Keely Ringo traded a third-round draft pick to get him in the fourth round. He is also very raw, very young. You saw him get two penalties on the same damn play last night. And they took Mauro Jomo in the seventh round. But that's not the problem. You don't expect all these guys to contribute. But let's look at the previous years where these defensive players that were drafted should be contributing. And again, you tell me, outside of the defensive tackle position, what Howie Roseman has done on the defensive side of the ball in the draft in the last five years. Last year, they took Jordan Davis. Great pick, defensive tackle. Outside of that, they took N'Kobe Dean in the third round. Hasn't done anything. They took Kyron Johnson in the sixth round. Hasn't done anything. Then you go to 2021. They took Milton Williams in the third round. Defensive tackle. That's the one thing he can do. Draft D tackles. Outside of him, you got Zach McPherson at D back. Maybe this would have been a year for him to take a big leap. He's on IR. Tore his Achilles. Marlon Tupoloto. Defense alignment. Another D tackle. Contributing a little bit. There's a common theme here, though, guys. He can only draft D tackles. Defensive end Teron Jackson hasn't done anything. Safety linebacker Jacoby Stevens didn't do anything. Defensive end Patrick Johnson didn't do anything. Then let's go to the 2020 draft, the Jalen Rager draft. Well, we know he took Jalen Hurts in the second round, so you give him credit for that. But listen to these defensive draft picks of Howie Roseman in that 2020 draft. Guys who should be contributing right now on rookie deals and listen to these draft picks on defense. Davion Taylor, linebacker, not even on the team. Kavon Wallace, safety, not even on the team. Sean Bradley, linebacker, out for the season, really just a special teams player. And then Casey Tuhill, seventh round defensive end. None of those draft picks from the 2020 draft that you drafted on defense are contributing to this football team this year. Most of those guys aren't even on the team anymore. And that's why you find yourself in the predicament that you are in on the defensive side of the ball. Well, let's go back another year. Let's go to 2019. Maybe you'd have guys on a rookie deal. Maybe you have guys you could exercise a fifth-year option if you used a first-round draft picked on one. Here's their 2019 draft on the defensive side of the ball. One player, Sharif Miller. Where the hell is Sharif Miller right now? Is he even still in the league? I don't know. You can go back. The last time that Howie Roseman drafted a defensive player that wasn't a defensive tackle that has contributed to this football team You have to go all the way back to 2018 when he drafted Avante Maddox and Josh Sweat. And unfortunately, as good as Maddox is, he can't stay on the damn field. But I will give him credit for taking Josh Sweat in the fourth round. But that is why this defense severely lacks young talent. And you're relying a lot on older players. Kevin Byard, Darius Slay, James Bradbury, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham. Now you bring in Shaq Leonard because your linebacking core is an absolute disaster because you completely neglected it. Like we were all saying you were all off season, All off season. I was screaming about the linebacker position and now you're picking up guys like Shaq Leonard and Zach Cunningham because you can't draft and develop a young linebacker. And then you finally did. You get an undrafted rookie in TJ Edwards who played over 94% of your defensive snaps last year, who led your team in tackles, and you let him walk out the door. And we all knew Avante Maddox, as good as he is, can't stay healthy. I'm giving them a little bit of a break on that one because they did expect Zach McPherson to be able to take a step forward and help at that slot corner position. And he also goes down with injury. So now you find yourself in a worse predicament. Now you got Bradley Roby, another older guy on this team who they had to pick up off the street. But that's why I say, guys, this is not an overreaction. Look at that defense and you tell me how the hell they're going back to a Super Bowl when James Bradbury's not playing all pro-caliber corner, when Darius Big Play Slay is more concerned about what Seth Joyner says on the Jacob Sports post-game show than he is about improving his game. When you got Kevin Byard, who the Tennessee Titans, we all were saying, oh, Howie Roseman fleeced Tennessee again. How's that trade looking now? The real only young talent on that back end that I'm excited about are Reed Blankenship and Sidney Brown. But Sidney Brown is raw. I don't expect him to be able to play at a championship level in his rookie season. And Reed Blankenship, the way he throws his body around is having a hard time staying healthy. We are now starting to see that. I hope that's not going to be a problem with Reed Blankenship for the rest of his career. But this is now two seasons with Reed where you're seeing a guy a little bit susceptible to injury the way he throws his body around. And again, they didn't draft Reed Blankenship either. Undrafted. Good find. You give Howie Roseman credit, but they can't draft. They cannot draft young defensive talent, man. That has been Howie Roseman's weak spot for years. And I told you we go all the way back to 2018 when they took Josh Sweat. But then look at the year before that. Just keep piling on here because you guys need to realize how bad it has been for as long as it has been. (laughs) 2017, here were their draft picks on defense that year. Derek Barnett, defensive end. Sidney Jones, cornerback. Rasul Douglas, cornerback. Rasul's doing okay now. Couldn't do it here. And they took Nate Gary in that draft as well. This has been a problem. Massive problem for this team. And now it's coming back to bite you in the ass as we sit here with Super Bowl aspirations with one of the worst defenses in the entire NFL. That is not an over-exaggeration. Your Philadelphia Eagles have the worst defense in the NFL. You look at all the statistical categories, they are near the bottom in almost every single one. And that falls on Howie Roseman. Not completely absolving Sean Desai, not completely absolving the players for not executing at times, But the majority of the blame, the majority of the responsibility for the state that this defense is in is on Howie Roseman and his failure to find and develop young defensive talent outside of the D tackle position. Anyway, guys, I'm running out of time here, but if you want more Philadelphia Eagles talk, tonight... 6.30, we're going to have our legal hands-to-the-face show like we do every Monday, 90 minutes, talking nothing but Philadelphia Eagles. We'll talk about this stuff again. We'll take a look at that Dallas game. We will look around the NFL and take a look forward to the Seattle Seahawks because that's not going to be an easy game by any means. And I just hate I said it all week. We're going to learn a lot about this Eagles team. And unfortunately, I don't like what we learned at all. But we're going to be joined by Mike Missinelli tonight on the Legal Hands to the Face show. Because Mikey Miss was a little bit more positive than I expected last night on the postgame show. So I want to talk to Mikey Miss. He'll be joining the show tonight. So be sure to check that out. You can check it out right here on the Jacob Sports Network. You can check it out on my YouTube channel at Bill Calarulo. And be sure, guys, head on over to Instagram, Twitter, at Legal Hands to the Face at Bill Calarulo. Give me a like. Give me a follow. Engage. <laughs> I see some people talking about Mikey Miss. But we're going to have Mikey Miss on the show tonight. So be sure to check it out, 630. I just am so frustrated with this team i'm just so frustrated because they also fooled me and that's why it's hurting me so much because i fell into the trap of they were trying to show us who they were as a team and we kept looking at the wins we kept looking at the record we kept thinking to ourselves but they just find ways to win but the reason that we were even talking about all that the reason we kept talking about they're finding ways to win, they're finding ways to win. When you really pull back the layers of the onion, it's because they were having problems. You know, with hindsight, now looking back, the reason we were even getting to the point of saying, oh, but they're finding ways to win was because they were having problems. They were trying to tell us who they were. And I just kept looking at the wins, thinking this team was better than they are. And they're just not that great of a team. I don't care that they're ten and three. That defense, you're not doing anything with that defense. But guys, like we end every single show with a little today in sports history. Jump over to baseball for a second. We didn't even talk about Bryce Harper wanting a new contract. And I thought Bryce Harper We said this, me and Mike Missinelli were saying this in the green room last night. In his little opening, if you saw on Sunday Night Football, his little opening about how he grew up a Cowboys fan, he kind of escaped without saying now he's an Eagles fan. I grew up a Cowboys fan, but now I live in Philly. Well, that doesn't really say you're an Eagles fan now. It would have been nice to hear Bryce finish off with a little go birds. But we'll talk about that this week, that Bryce Harper wants a new contract. But this is a little today in sports history, and it's a little baseball theme. December 11th, 1934, the National League votes to permit night baseball games. They allowed up to seven games per home team at night. December 11th, 1934. Could you imagine that now? No baseball, night games. Different world back then, guys. Different world back then. But that's our today in sports history. But be sure to check in tonight. Legal hands to the face. I'll have some Eagles trivia for you like I always do. And we'll have Mikey Miss on. So come in. Engage in the chat, man. You have things you want to say to Mike Missinelli. Tonight will be your opportunity. So I appreciate you guys spending this hour with me. Go ahead, if you haven't already, hit that like button. Make sure you're following me on all your social media channels. And I hope to see a lot of you guys tonight, 6.30, right back here on the Jacob sports network for legal hands to the face. And as always guys go birds.
0: Go for the pulls and the pools go for the ooze and the Oz go for the bubbles and the bubbly go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.